This episode of Happy Second Fused is brought to you by Carnivore Club, the subscription service that brings exceptional quality cured meats to your door made by America's most talented artisans. Carnivore Club is an amazing gift for your meat-loving spouse, family member, or co-worker. The number of boxes you wish to give can be customized, too. You can select a single box for your cousin Vinny to 12 glorious months of Carnivore Club for your beloved. Get unique finds like bison jerky, venison, and wild boar salami, alongside classics like Berkshire prosciutto, all made by independent American craftsmen. This month's feature is California's Angel Salumi, and you can get $10 off a gift or subscription when you enter the promo code HAPPY at checkout. So visit www.carnivoreclub.co to give the best gift to the discerning meat lover in your life. This week's Happy Second Fuse is sponsored by a returning sponsor, our good old friends at Loot Crate. For less than $20 a month, Loot Crate gives the geek in you a special treat each and every month. Loot Crate is a subscription box service with over $40 worth of geek, gamer, and pop culture gear, collectibles, apparel, comics, and more delivered to your mailbox every month. This month, they're bringing you a fight for the ages. Suit up. Choose your allies and enter the arena for combat. They're ready to stand their ground this month with exclusive items from Blizzard, Fallout 4, Capcom, sponsor-worthy loot from the Hunger Games, as well as a few more items that will help their winners emerge victorious. You have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. When the cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. So go to lootcrate.com slash happy and enter the code happy to save $3 on your new subscription today. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome back to my podcast. I'm presuming welcome back because you must be a devoted listener by now, right? Because you are a smart, well-adjusted human being of good taste. I hear Sammy snickering already. Uh, There's Sammy, there's Joel, there's Jenna hiding in the corner. Uh, Welcome, guys. The gang's all back. We're back. Well, you're back. You were gone last week. Oh, thank God I'm back. Am I right, listeners? (laughs) (laughs) that <laughs> <laughs> you know they can't actually respond in real time well everybody's not well because last week if you heard the intro it was just two cavemen opening mail so <laughs> is that is that how it sounded like oh what's this oh movie oh it was just like grunting and and then giggles it didn't which go i well. i thought it was very funny well that's good to hear we just actually opened the mail um just now and i found out i stole a giant case of, of red bull really, by accident really that's weird grunting and giggles was our vaudeville act <laughs> <laughs> which one which one's which well that's for the listener to guess. giggles yeah, yeah. Giggles? you're a thousand joel Joel's not giggles. No, he's certainly not giggles. Let's hear you giggle. Hey. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this week's guest on the podcast, if you're still with us, and I highly doubt that, it's uh, it's Paul Dad. Bettany. <laughs> Paul Bettany, a uh, wonderful actor, uh, and now director, writer-director, I should say. He has um, just written and directed his first film. It's called Shelter, uh, a really uh, powerful story starring his wife, Jennifer Connelly, and Anthony Mackie. No relation, as far as I know, to Paul, except that they were co-stars in the Avengers films. Um, And this is a story that is very close to Paul's heart, as you'll hear um, about a homeless couple, um, their struggles, their... uh, They go through a lot in this one, suffice it to say. Jennifer Connelly uh, is uh, put through the ringer, as is Anthony Mackie. But it's um, some great performances, and uh, good to see... uh, Paul helming this real passion project. He's he's really uh, you know this is 
a hard film to mount for anybody, uh, even somebody of note like Paul, but he called in a lot of favors, obviously cast people he uh, knew literally uh, or, or lived with and um, has helmed a, a really fine um, debut film. So check out Shelter. It is out in theaters. It is also available on VOD. Uh, and this conversation is really good. Paul is um, both very thoughtful, but also very witty and, and funny. Um, we talk about uh, a lot of his career, including, yes, the Marvel films and his unusual trajectory. You know, if you know anything about the Marvel films, he started out just as a voice for many films in the Iron Man films. Jarvis. Jarvis. Thank you. Our Marvel expert, Joel, <laughs> piping in. Um, and uh, no, I mean, I mean, I remember even talking to him uh, like back in the day about the Marvel films. And he notably went on record as saying he had never seen any of them until he was cast as Vision, which is an odd thing. I remember watching the last Avengers movie and being like, how does Paul get to be Jarvis and the Vision? God, you were such a... Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> alert. Um, so yeah, we're really thrilled to have Paul in here, and he is a, a very talented uh, actor, and I'm sure he's going to be directing and writing again very, he's very, very soon. very funny, too. Super funny, super yeah. tall. He's a, he's a, he's a tall he's drink of water. He's striking. <laughs> like, he walked through the office, and, and all the ladies were a little... A little weak at the knees. Yeah, a little verklempt, a little no, something. No, verklempt is sad. Oh, I was verklempt. <laughs> it was Because he was getting all the attention, and I was just, they, everyone looked right through me. Yeah, normally <laughs> when you walk through the office, everybody turns their head. Nobody can get any work done. It's just, yeah. uh. Uh, Jenna, you're a personal acquaintance of Paul. You, um, Jenna, what, come on, you got to come in here, get in here. What should we know about the Paul Bettany that you know? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um... Paul is incredible. I don't know. <laughs> he's a good dude. He's, he's a good... great. He's a great dancer. He's a great dancer. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that, now we know for a future After Hours episode. I should say, and I usually don't like to talk about After Hours things before we tape them, but uh, I'll jinx it. Uh, as we tape this, we're shooting an After Hours with Paul and Anthony Mackie uh, tomorrow that I think is going to turn out really great. Um, but two, two after hours that are actually have been completed, uh, one that is up by the time you've, uh, you were listening to this is a really fun thing we did with Topher Grace. Topher was one of the very first um, uh, actors to uh, do an after hours with us. It was in fact uh, very sweet in that he was a fan early on of the stuff that we were doing and got really uh, involved in the sketch uh, we did way back when, which was called The Topher Affair personal favorite of mine joel what that's, do you think that's one of my favorites it really is good sway is in it amazing cameo by sway <laughs> amazing cameo <laughs> um but anyway more recently if you haven't checked out this new topher um a bit it's uh, all about star wars and it's really funny and um he was again more than a trooper contributed a lot of great ideas and um it's a really funny performance by topher and I'm very proud of that one um and i should say next week here we go. You'll Here's the big one. No, this is we we shot this just yesterday as we taped this, and um, we're just editing it. Uh, CJ's editing it. Our amazing consummate editor of After Hours as we speak. Um, and this is a bit with um, two veterans of After Hours, Daniel Radcliffe returning yet again. Returning champion. <laughs> returning champion, Daniel Radcliffe. Um, just I think he's just striving to do more After Hours than Mark Wahlberg at this point. It's neck and neck. They every year they go back and forth. Um, and James McAvoy, uh, who's done a, a few things with us too. Uh, really fun shoot that. Um, God, McAvoy's a madman. He's a crazy man in the best possible way. Like, what's yeah. McAvoy's hair situation at the moment? Very, very little of it. Him, so he still didn't have buzzed heads. No, they kind of look buzzed like, each other's heads. <laughs> I didn't ask, but I'm, I, I would assume so. In my right. fanfic, they did. Yeah. <laughs> 
Joel's like, can I watch you guys buzz each other's head? No, I just write about it. That'd be creepy. Yeah. Well, that should have been the sketch That's in retrospect. Yeah. <laughs> just 10 minutes of them shaving each other's head. I guarantee that would get more clicks than anything we could have come up with. Joel's bald man Tumblr page. No, it's very specific. It's not bald. It's buzz. Yeah, they're, they're not bald. Calm no, down. Not bald, but buzz.tumblr.com, which is a... Make sure you type in there O correctly, because... Oh. Go down the rabbit hole, a yeah. wrong path. Um, otherwise, this week, uh, you can't miss uh, The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2. That is coming out. Um, if you're listening to this on Monday, wish me luck, because tonight we're doing a live stream. Uh, both Joel and Sammy are involved, very much so, in this one. Uh, we're out in Los Angeles taping on the red carpet live for two hours with the cast of Mockingjay Do Part 2. Do you think... Oh, my God. What? Do you think Liam's going to confront Joel? Because... I don't know. This is a throwback to maybe like four Happy Side Confused ago. Okay. HSCs ago. Yeah. Um, Joel very famously called out that Liam Hemsworth is his least favorite. Hemsworth. His least uh, favorite Hemsworth uh, and his least favorite of the of the trifecta. Well, all right. There's a, there's been a lot of talk on the web about this. So your hate on Liam Hemsworth. I would so my I would hate tweets. I would. <laughs> it's like me and Donald Trump. I would say it's very likely that I, that Liam's going to probably call you out live on the carpet. He's going to punch Here, you this in is the what's face. Happening. Monday morning, Liam wakes up, gets his cup of coffee, puts on Happy Sack and Peace, listens to this. <laughs> And then I'm going to say right now to, to quell and quash okay. anything that happens. Go for it. I know this is your opportunity, please. Liam, you're the worst. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. He's the worst. I'm going to be honest. Oh, my God. Everyone loves you. Okay, hands down, Jennifer Lawrence is number one. Hutch is, is good. He's charismatic. Hutch, he's, Hutch oh, wow. Like now you're like taking a hole even saying Hutch is only just no, good. No, Hutch he's is good. a sweetheart. He's good. It's good. They're all it's good great. I'm, we get, it's a thumbs I get up, a lot of down, crap. Thumbs up. I will say I get a lot of crap sometimes from the group interviews I've done with them. People accusing me of omitting uh, or not giving enough time to Liam, and that is not me, guys. I try to involve them all. Liam just happens to be a little bit more soft-spoken than the others. Jennifer invariably is a big personality, takes over. I don't think that's a negative thing. It's just her personality. Guys, equal time for all of them. I'm doing my best. He's he's an introvert. You know, he's he's thinking. He's more thoughtful. Yeah. He's just uh, retrospective. I can't believe how. How much you guys hate Liam. That's not true. <laughs> this is well, tune into if you're listening on Monday, watch tonight on our live stream. We're gonna watch the I live stream. You. I love you. Sammy Heller loves you, Liam. What are you, what are you, what are you pandering to Liam? Yeah, I Joel, where, uh, where, where can they find the, the live stream? I don't even know. YouTube.com slash <laughs> MTV News. Seriously? Yeah. Okay, that's, that's the okay. safest bet. Hopefully it's other places. That, okay. Yeah. Hopefully you won't be able to miss it. We're kind of the unofficial, kind of official, big partner yeah, of Lionsgate I, on this one. So um, it should be fun. A lot of fun interviews. All Is of the Lionsgate. first time you're seeing the movie? No, I've seen it. I'm going to see it again that night. Were you see it? Yeah. Wink if there were lizard people. The, I, I will say the sewer sequence in it is awesome. It's the best action sequence in the entire series. Really well done. And Francis Lawrence, no surprise, he's a, he's a really accomplished director and knows, like, I'm Legend had some really suspenseful scenes. Um, so, yeah, a standout sequence. Is it film. still, do this, does this one still have the NC-17 rating? Yeah, there's a lot of full it? frontal nudity <laughs> all throughout. <laughs> um, but that is for not, that's a discussion for another time. In the meantime, let's get right to it. Um, wonderful actor and now filmmaker Paul Bettany, enjoy the conversation, guys. No, no, I've told you, don't do the song. Let, let the music... So, first of all, I think the last time I saw you was in the middle of 
Madness of Age of Ultron. Yes. You were doing a lot of your press with Mr. James Spader. Mm-hmm. Is that an enjoyable experience? That must be an interesting experience. Um, it, it was It was very enjoyable um, for a number of reasons. One, you, he, he, can, he can talk. <laughs> So if you're feeling, can, can you follow though? Can you, you? You can follow, and if you if you um if you're feeling um if you're at a, you're feeling tired or you're lost for words, it just doesn't matter because <laughs> he never is. So <laughs> so that was great. So um this one this must feel like I mean this is on you it's on Anthony and yeah. Jennifer to a degree but this is your baby. Does yeah. it feel like is this a whole different world of when you're kind of promoting something like this? Does it feel like the weight of of this project is on your shoulders? You you I really enjoy and have enjoyed promoting it because you're you're you know you're 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 feel, you feel like you're sort of shouldering some of the weight in a, in a in a sort of more real way and it it, it um it's a it's a little movie and so every interview feels urgent and important you yeah. know and every chance to raise awareness about it is it feels you're you're happy to be there it it must i don't know what the adjective to assign to it is but like when i think the cover of the new york times yesterday there was a a major story about the homeless problem Mm. being not not getting any better here in new york or our our mutual hometown um so this this clearly struck a chord for you like on, on a personal level um Give a little background on sort of what happened that precipitated something well, like this. Well, I mean, the, 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 the sort of process of writing it was, um, I didn't set out to make a, a homeless movie. I set out to, I wanted to write a movie and make a movie that was about um, judgment. Right. Um, and how in a, in a world of increasing gray area, we, we seem to be getting more and more entrenched in black and white positions. So... Uh, you know, I've been thinking about that, and uh, and and at this, about the same time, we we in Tribeca, um, a homeless couple moved next to us. There's a little triangle of land on the corner of Canal and um, and the West Side Highway. There's a tiny little park garden, and they used to sleep in there, and. You know, I'd pass them every day on the school run with my kids, and we'd say good morning and they were quite recalcitrant and um i am ashamed to say that more and more i stopped really seeing them and stopped trying to see them and they became part of the landscape of the city in which i live and then hurricane sandy happened and i I, in the madness of getting my family and pets <laughs> into a car and heading to higher ground there was a mandatory evacuation of um of our area um i didn't stop once to think about where they would weather the storm and i n- never saw them again yeah. and so I, I just got thinking to thinking that maybe that would be a very good way to talk about judgment and so present to um people who it's difficult to find forgiveness for right. and then make you forgive them because um, I think that that's important. My father, my late father, um, he died recently and I've been thinking a lot about him obviously and, and he was a Catholic, very religious man and I'm not, but he used to say this thing whenever we passed uh, uh, homeless people in the street, he would say there, but for the grace of God go I. Sure. And. I wonder what happened to that sentiment because I, I love it because it's a sort of admission of how close we all are, how precarious um, our comfort actually is and um, how easily it could be us. 
Did the uh, did the writing come easily? I mean, is this something that you have you written over the years? Is this something that um, you felt prepared to do? Uh, no, I mean, I don't know if I ever feel prepared to do anything. Frankly, um, I, I never feel um, I, I, I never feel well enough equipped to start an acting job, and I've been doing that for a long time. So, so I, I'm I've, I'm always full of um, doubt and faking confidence, which is the trick. So it's curious you say that because I've talked to many directors and many first-time directors and they're kind of like two different philosophies I feel like for first-time filmmakers where they go in pretending to have all the answers even if they don't mm. or they admit like, I need help, please help me at, at every stop. Is, yeah. is it, or is it somewhere in between? Or like, where, where did you find that balance and did it change as you went? Well, I think you have to not look scared. Mm. You know, I think that's true. I think you, but, but I, you know, I, this the actors can tell and crew can tell if your director's faking it you know that they they know so <laughs> wait what's a, what's a good telltale sign what have you seen in the well, eyes of just, your director i can just tell when i'm being bullshitted you yeah. know and yeah. and um and so i think honesty is uh, honesty up to a point is a very good um uh solution What's your? Uh, do you have fond memories of the shoot? It's a very quick shoot. This was like an intense period of time where we shot it in twenty-one days, crazy, which yeah. is um, which is crazy. Yeah, <laughs> um, and uh, if you're shooting something in twenty-one days, you would be very fortunate to you know get yourself some great actors. And I I, I had those. You know, yeah. I had Anthony, and I happened to have an uh, Oscar-winning actress lying around at home, so I. Um, <laughs> I, I I employed that. Uh, one might, and I'm sure some people have brought this up, like put you on the couch for a second to, to see the kind of trauma that you've put your poor wife through <laughs> in this film. She goes, as does Anthony, but she especially um, goes through some pretty tough stuff. Yeah, um, it's a pretty... Um, I, I asked her to go to some pretty dark places. Um, still still only the second most traumatic film she'll ever do next to the Requiem for a Dream. That, right. will, that will, No matter what you do, it's okay. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was pretty hard to um, to try and top uh, that. But we tried. <laughs> you, you gave it your all, man. <laughs> yeah. No, but was it, I mean, is that something that, I mean, knowing, obviously knowing her as few do, that she's a, able and be willing to go to those places that... Absolutely. Yeah. She, um, uh, you know, I, I don't want to force anybody to a place that they don't want to go, and uh, and uh, you know I don't want that for my actors, and I also don't want that for my audience. You know I don't like films that take me to a dark place and just leave me there. With the intention behind the film seems to then be, aren't you lucky that you know I didn't want to make a film about homelessness right. being bad because every decent human being knows that it is so right. you know it's a starting place we all accept yes right so uh, you know i wanted I, I thought that there might be something more to say about our response to homelessness and um you know to to create two characters one of whom is a ex-terrorist and one of whom is a woman a junkie who has abandoned her child and there's sort of worse things that you can be in our culture and then yeah. but through through forcing you to listen to them um and fall in love with them uh forgive them and 
in actual fact, the film ends up with a lot of hope. You know, yeah. for me, it's that I, I just was I was trying to write the most honest, happy ending that I that I could. How, how much of, of directing is you know just a need to tell your own stories that are, that resonate with you, and how much of it is also in a way like a, a career plan? In that, like you know, it, I would like to also have this as an option. I would as I go forward. Uh, I, I I don't think it's born out of that. I think it's it, it, it's it's definitely born out of. Um, I like telling stories, and here's a different way to tell a, a, st a story, you know. Um, and and that was really interesting, and has made me enjoy the sort of myopia of acting more. Mm. I love the you you're, you can be blind and just look at your one um, your character um, as an actor. I've been I I have enjoyed acting more since I was a. a, a Directed. What's what's what are what are your directing ambitions? I mean, do you, can you if you in, in your perfect world, what would you want to chart out for yourself? Um, sort of doesn't work like that. I have a comedy, a satire that I'm 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 writing that I'm nearly finished with that I think I want to direct um, and maybe star in too, which I, I am worried about because it's a lot of work um, directing. <laughs> <laughs> this might actually crack your brain in two as opposed to shelter, which just fractured it slightly. Right. Um, I, you know, so, so yeah, I want to continue. I, I really enjoyed the experiment of um, trying to give actors their jobs back mm -hmm. as storytellers. Right. I, I, I do feel that, um, that, that scripts can now be developed to a point where it doesn't really matter if the actor shows up, the story will still survive. And I really understand that from um, a producerial, uh, that's not a real word, I've made it up, but you know <laughs> what I mean, um, uh, standpoint, which is it's terrifying to leave it until it's happening in front of the cam camera to know whether it works sure. or not. But, um, you know, Five Easy Pieces doesn't work without Jack Nicholson showing up in front of the camera. Right. And that's what's sort of extraordinary about it. And I would, would I, I, I want to be clear that I'm not saying that there aren't still you know, great performances every year in English language movies. But what I am saying is that the 70s seemed to be awash with them. And I'm sure part of the reason was that actors were given were not so infantilized that they were given a large portion of the job of storytelling. Yeah. So, you know, we, we rehearsed a lot and every day we would do these things called lineups. And for anybody listening who doesn't know what a lineup is, it's when uh, the actors show up um, with their scripts and their coffees and their hangovers. And they, um, we, we discuss the scenes that we're doing in the day and then we rehearse the scenes and then we block the scenes and then we invite the crew in um, to watch them. Then the actors go off to make up and get ready. And we figure out, the crew and the director and the DP, figure out how we are going to cover what we just watched the actors do. And that sounds entirely reasonable. But you would be shocked to know <laughs> how little that happens anymore. What did... Um, it's usually all worked out for you. You, yeah. you. you come down and the marks are all there for you to walk to. And like, what am I here for? Exactly. Can I bring something to it? <laughs> exactly.
Time for a special message from our friends at Loot Crate. Would you classify yourself as a geek, gamer, or pop culture nerd? Well, then Loot Crate is the subscription box for you. Loot Crate is a subscription box service with over $40 worth of geek, gamer, and pop culture gear, collectibles, apparel, comics, and more delivered to your mailbox every month. Make sure to head to LootCrate.com happy and enter the code happy to save $3 on any new subscription. Every month, it's a different theme, all inspired by classic movie and video game releases as well well as pulling from pop culture franchises. Previous crates have included items from franchises like Star Wars, Marvel, Walking Dead, Legend of Zelda, and much, much more. This month, they're bringing you a fight for the ages, so suit up, choose your allies, and enter the arena for combat. They're ready to stand their ground this month with exclusive items from Blizzard, Fallout 4, Capcom, sponsor-worthy loot from The Hunger Games, as well as a few more items that will help their winners emerge victorious. Whether you're risking your life in battle or taking no prisoners in the wasteland, our loot will be at your side to help keep things interesting. Basically, Loot Crate is like a friend who knows what you love and surprises you with an awesome present every month. And did we mention that they ship to over 13 different countries too? You have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. So go to LootCrate.com slash happy and enter the code happy to save $3 on your new subscription today. Meet the Kalebgeons. This Armenian family will entertain you with an excellent cup of coffee. Master Roaster Henry has earned his title by personally roasting coffee in San Francisco for six days a week for over 30 years. He learned the art from his father, who taught him how to turn the coffee roasting drum when he was just a boy. Today, Henry's son, Hrog, is just as passionate about serving you the perfect cup of joe that will excite your taste buds. Clearly, coffee isn't just a business for the Kalebgeons. It's in their lineage. With every sip of Henry's House of Coffee, Coffee, you're doing more than just curbing your caffeine fix. You're entering a new family. Experience what three generations of coffee tastes like. Get the perfect roast delivered right to your doorstep. Visit henryshouseofcoffee.com and enter promo code HAPPY to get free shipping. You have nothing to lose and a new coffee buzz to gain. What's it... Uh, I'm curious, you know, talk about the 70s, which obviously comes up for any film fan as like a golden era. What, what were the film's performances, actors that, that really stand out in your memory that made an impact on you as a young man? Oh, I mean, well, five easy pieces. Um, uh, you know, uh, Dog Day Afternoon, yeah. um, a, a bunch of Sidney Lumet movies, everything that Meryl Streep ever did. Um, she is, you know... She's my acting legend. Um, because um, of versatility, because there's no there's no fakeness to it, because there's just a truthfulness. An unerring uh, ability to tell the, the story, yeah. and you sit there thinking as you watch it, well, it couldn't be anything yeah. else other than this. This is perfect. That's the truth. That's and what that's, it is, yeah. And, um, <laughs> and that's an amazing... Um, that's an amazing trick, because, yeah. of course... There are myriad options for the actor, but you are you you feel that sh that they simply can't be another choice than the one that Meryl Streep made. How, how often, when you when you uh, look at your own work, can you have that moment of like, okay, I think I I touched the truth there. I I, I hit at least close to the mark. Um, I I mean, I I hardly ever watch uh, films that I'm in. Um, anymore 
that changed at a certain point or was just like it wasn't useful at a certain point or it was um i used to i used to watch uh, rushes or, or dailies as sure. they're called in this country um to, to, to the, the the raw pieces of film i used to watch them early on in the in, in the filming process to see whether I, I was making um, my character clear, but now I I um, I don't do I don't do that anymore. I don't want I don't want that. It just fogs up the brain a little bit. It just clouds your judgment. Yeah, I think you it? can. I think you you start to worry about things um, that are, are just vain. Yeah, position my face. I don't want that second chin to show up on this shot. Exactly, or the third. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're a New Yorker. We know this well. I'm a New Yorker, so I always welcome um, you know like-minded folks that that realize the evils of California. No, we don't hate California. <laughs> we just know that we have we're in the superior city. Um, <laughs> when when did you <laughs> when did you move here? Was that was that for Jennifer? Was it some, the place that was already? Yeah, I, I fell in love with a new uh, New Yorker by mistake, um, <laughs> and um, we we moved here, and I have I never moved back. You know, I mean, I think I've been here for fifth. 15 years now so and the lovely thing about new york is after 10 years you're just a new yorker and you're drinking coffee and swearing at other drivers with the rest of new york <laughs> you know what i mean so um yeah i love i love this city so much do you resent how how uh, hip brooklyn has become in recent years you were there first weren't you we were there i started moving out when actors started moving in so <laughs> enough I of the came, shit yeah, i came <laughs> back to manhattan um get away from all the actors uh yeah yeah i i, I yeah i don't know i i the thing that really saddens me about um just bringing it back to the film about yeah. new york is over the last 10 years having watched the homelessness crisis just spiral out of control anybody with their eyes open can see it on, yeah. on the on the streets it is um it is uh it's appalling you know we've in the last over the last 10 years we've lost 32 percent of public housing um in this city and um homelessness has spiked to sixty thousand citizens sleeping in shelters every night, 24,000 of them are children. And all that's going on in a town home to more billionaires than any other town on earth. And for me, that is shocking. And, you know, that there are, there's a, uh, during the writing of this um, script, I work very closely and still do with um, a group called the Coalition for the Homeless. Now, these people are real life angels uh, working on the streets of New York and, you know, they provide um, uh, advocacy, they provide education, they provide meals, they provide um, a, a summer camp for uh, children of homeless families. Because, you know, one should stress this is um, far and away a financial issue for people. Right. You know, um, rents are going up, um, uh, wages are not. Um, you know, it, 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 I, I think it's really um, important to establish a a, um, a right to counsel in housing court because there isn't one. And right. if you have counsel as a homeless family, you are 80% less likely to be evicted from your home. Now, that counsel costs $12,500. The average stay 
of a homeless family costs the city $45,000. So not only is it morally the right thing to right. do, it makes if, financial if, sense. If we need to make it work in your pocketbook, it does, guys. You know, you know and, and um, you, it, it really is an appalling crisis and winter is coming. So that, 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 that which is why also I delayed the movie um, uh, coming out because I wanted it to come out around Thanksgiving because yeah. unfortunately it is the time that people really start to consider homelessness when it gets cold and miserable and wet and people are out on the streets or searching for safety with their children. Well, it's exactly what you say and what I think you've accomplished in the film, which is like the first step is just to like acknowledge and, and not <laughs> give a face and a voice to these people that, you know, it happens to all of us. We just get lost in our own mundane, silly lives and like ignore yeah. what's smacking us right in the face right. every single day. And it's a, it's a, it's a first step at least. I mean, when you, when you were growing up, you mentioned your dad and kind of like remembering some of his his words that 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 have you know that's that stuck with you i mean was poverty around was 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 homelessness around was there was there a something instilled in you and your family that was you know give back um pay it forward etc however you want to term it yeah well it was the 70s in 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 um in London, and you know, it was a, it, it was a, we were in a big recession, and it was, um, yeah, there was there was homelessness, and and I saw it, and um, you know, I've I, the two cities that I've lived in all my life have been New York City and and London, so I've been around homelessness all my life and, yeah. and seen it, and you know, you again when I started working with co the Coalition for the Homeless. Uh, here in New York, not only were they brilliant at vetting my script and, you know, I wanted to know what bureaucracy might be in place to stop a person in need getting what they need. Um, and uh, they helped me with all of that. But they also got me out on the street to, to, to you know, meet homeless people. And you, the, the moment you start talking to anybody and interacting with anybody, you um, you will find that... In actual fact, it's not just those 24,000 children of that 60,000 figure. We are all innocents. We are all worthy of forgiveness and a second chance. And we're all fundamentally worthy and deserving of a home. Um, so, yes, it's a matter dear to my heart. Yeah. Have, have you been able to... Um I'm not sure exact the exact ages of your kids, but like you know, kids can be relatively self-involved. I know I was as a, as a teenager, etc. Do you feel like is it difficult? I mean, I grew up in the city. Actually, I grew up in New York, uh -huh. um, and I feel like part of the, the advantage of that was every culture in my face, every every aspect of life in my face. No matter no matter how well off you are, you can't avoid it, which is a great thing. I think yeah. um, is it was that sort of part of the algorithm of raising kids here and has it been easy for you guys to kind of like you know raise level-headed kids in this environment uh yeah i mean i think that you have to be really smart about how you um in, in my and jennifer's position about how you frame your um your your own good fortune sure and i and and privilege and i think that they are really aware of their own privilege i remember we were traveling um 
you know, when you get flown out by film companies, you get flown out first class. Sure. And we were traveling first class. And my, my son was, at the time, about eight years old. My eldest, who's now at college, unbelievably. Um, and he was complaining about the seat. And I looked at him and I went, oh, no. <laughs> And so he and I, you know, we, we, we traveled economy for a year because I just wasn't going to have that kid. I just wasn't going to raise that kid. And the privilege of, of, you know, living in a city like this and being safe financially is uh can't can't you you have to make that clear to your children yeah you have to make uh, clear how fortunate you are and how precarious life is for so many other people and and also the other really great thing in in that i am my good fortune is to travel and for my children to meet other cultures you know and 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 see the yes the wonderful differences but also just the the glaring the obvious commonality, of, commonality yeah, sure. of, of being um human and uh, you know a lot of people the first time they travel from this country they've got a gun in their hand you know what i mean it's a yeah. it, i i think being a, able to um being able to to travel i think is our greatest um that is my greatest good fortune. I, 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 I love it, and I, I love. And also, it's we're, we're lucky enough not to just be traveling on holiday, I'm, you know, or, or, or you know, for a vacation for two weeks. I go and you know, I was in Mexico for six months, you know, and that's an extraordinary experience. If you allow it to be an extraordinary experience, right, if you don't cocoon in your hotel room, and <laughs> absolutely, uh, you know, we we took the kids. We were, they were young. My daughter hadn't been born and Jennifer was shooting. And we were in sub-Saharan Africa for five months. It was an amazing experience for those, uh, for those children. And so, yeah, I think as long as you're really um, proactive in, uh, in, in showing them their privilege and, yeah. uh, and appreciating their privilege and, and giving back, um, you know, I, I, I think it, it, it's okay. At what age in your, in your own life do you feel like that you felt safe in your career? Like that you felt- Oh, I don't think I ever have. <laughs> Seriously? Mm-mm. Yeah, no, I don't think, I don't think you uh, Is- ever do. I, I mean, Maybe some people do. Maybe they do. My experience is is that the moment you're the moment you're really hot, you're already getting cold. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Wait, wait, wait. I'm just enjoying this. Wait, 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 wait guys. <laughs> it's just physics. You know I mean? <laughs> do you look back fondly over of like? Is there the, does anything ever rival kind of those first brushes with like being like the hot guy, the it guy, like the you know the a Knight's Tale moments, those kind of early moments in films where like yeah you you get those kind of like little features in Vanity Fair, like oh he's the next thing or whatever. Right. Do, like, do you look back fondly on those times or was it like I, I look back more kind of like you just you had this feeling that the tap wasn't going to turn off, you know? Right. And I I look at um, oh this is how it is. This is my life this now. Is how it is. Yeah. But I, y- y- yeah the the the, the yeah, those feelings. I remember the first job I had was in um, a play by Stephen Daldry, and I it was uh, it was a theatre in the West End in London, the Oldwich Theatre, and I walked up to the theatre and they put my name up, and there was my name in lights, and I went and stood on a bridge, and 
uh, on Westminster Bridge and I, I, I looked at the Thames and it was just flowing out like it was going to be and there was this sun was going down and it was this golden light on the river that sort of seemed to be like this golden highway of the, my future and of course life is curly and throws you you yeah. know curveballs and 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 it isn't like that but I, I, I so so I don't I don't have those feelings anymore of of just sort of wide you're wise eyed. enough to know that th- there's Abs- going to be a dip after there's a absolutely <laughs> and and you know the, the the other thing that I've noticed in 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 the sort of troughs and highs of of uh, of of doing well in this weird business is that your you, you know the your your jokes become more and less funny with yes. how well you're doing <laughs> and and um, people see I wouldn't be laughing like that if you weren't in Avengers right now I would <laughs> you, know, you know it's true and so the, the next time it happens you think you're, you're a little wiser to it yeah. you know and you're a little you, you realize that people are experiencing you as something that you're not when they're, they're when they're meeting you and and they're you know you meet fans and you you see that they want you to sign something or they want to take a picture and their hands shaking and you think what why why because uh, do you want to sit down and have a cup of tea? You know, are you all right? <laughs> I'm as screwed up as you. Trust me. And, and it's, 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 so that's really it's it's interesting to see that, and it's and y- how you are uh, dealt with by the business, and and how that fluctuates, and and it's all ephemeral, and and somebody to do with somebody else. It's yeah. really it's really interesting. You've obviously worked with some uh, amazing filmmakers and actors over your career. I'm curious, like, you know, we were talking about sort of influences early on, people like Meryl Streep, etc. You also worked, correct me if I'm wrong, Peter O'Toole was, yes. was in a relatively early film of yours. Oh, it was a, we did a TV show together. So that's amazing. I'm fascinated by Peter O'Toole, as any fan of film and theater is. Um, what are your recollections of working with that character? He's the, he was the naughtiest naughtiest man um you know there, there's lots of stories about how we we couldn't work out how he was getting drunk because he was coming in without any alcohol going into his trailer he just had a bag of oranges and then um <laughs> he handed me one of the oranges and it was vodka that he had injected into this orange oh and um <laughs> there's and almost almost something to be admired about that it, was, it really he was but the the, the oh, my overwhelming memory and it's not really a memory it's just a feeling when you were with him you were just certain that nobody else in the entire world was having as good a time as you were yeah, no, totally. <laughs> he was just wonderful and luminous and funny and and and, and mercurial and brilliant um and i'm missing a, a, a lot of those adjectives could describe your your buddy mr johnny depp yeah who, who do you think owns more scarves, you or, or, or Johnny? Yeah, we're both scarves. Uh, that, yeah. yeah, we really like the scarves. Is that a basis of friendship? Is that something that you base most of your friendships on? on uh, yes, I, I insist on... on um, <laughs> men don't wear enough scarves. I'll do that for country. next time. I'm sorry to disappoint you, Paul. <laughs> when it work on me. <laughs> oh, yes, it would. <laughs> works on everybody? Oh, it works on everybody. So what do you, what do you and Johnny do for fun? What, what, what is a, what's a fun night with Johnny Depp? Oh, well, I mean... It depends where we are, but usually there are guitars involved and and sitting down playing guitars and just we really make each other laugh. Yeah, he's he's a really funny, generous, warm um, human being who has absolutely no concept of time. <laughs> 
Yeah, which is probably why he still looks so young because exactly. he just hasn't figured out that you know yeah. fifty years have gone by. <laughs> um, you mentioned music. Is you've never done a musical, as far as I no. can remember, right? Is that something that like? Are, do you sing? Are you someone that is inclined yeah, I that sing. way? I wanted to be a guitar player. Was what I really wanted to do. I'm, right, you, I read you, you you busked for a while. I was right, a when busker. Yeah. I was a busker, or as my grandmother used to call it, a, a, a vagrant. <laughs> uh, Did you do well? Were you popular? Um, you know, you you would. It's a miserable job. Yeah. I mean, it's really. It's you know that's that's living, you know, that's living hand to mouth, and and it's tiring and exhausting and cold and wet. You know, it was really what I remember of it in <laughs> London. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I I really very, never want to go back to that, please. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so, you know, do, would I do a musical? Yeah, I would, if the thing was right. Yeah. Because um, it, it occurs to me, like, the, the kind of people, like, you know, I mentioned Johnny, I mentioned someone like Peter O'Toole, who um, anyone would want to be, you know, hang out with for a few months if they could. But, like, also, like, you know, you've worked with Russell Crowe, obviously, a couple times. These are guys that are, like, I feel like the, the perception is it's tough to crack through. It's tough to, like, break into their little world mm. in, a, in a way. Do you know yeah, what I mean? No, I, yeah, I do. I do know what, and, and what is, is there a reason why you think sometimes you're able to penetrate where others haven't? Folks That's, like Russell or... Sounds dirty. Um, <laughs> well, uh, you're a disgusting man, so... I know. Uh, I, no, I don't... I don't... I, I don't know. I think with Russell, Russell and I met at a time where he was um, everything in yeah, Hollywood. He was the best. And um, I, I think he was interested that I didn't seem to have that much interest. You know, I wasn't wowed by it. My heroes really are, are um, you know, musicians. I mean, I, I met um, uh, Damon Albarn recently in a hotel lobby and I was like a star-struck teenager. I didn't know how to speak, you know. So that's really my um, experience of that. So I don't really have that with actors. Yeah. And um, I, I, I And think, they're so used to that. So if someone treats I them like a human being... I think it might be being, yeah. uh, for them, you know. <laughs> but Johnny and I fell in love uh, like at first sight over a crowded room, really, and I went, oh, yeah, I'm going to know you for life and just knew immediately and we have laughed every minute that we've been together ever since. Working with Harrison Ford, were you ever able to make him laugh legitimately? Was he, was, is he someone that's notoriously not easy to, to warm over either? No, he is, um, he's, but no, we got him well. I, I, really, I don't mean that as a parenting thing. I, mean, I think he's like, I think his wit is great. It's just very dry. You no, know, he's it's incredibly very, it's dry. And, and, um, uh, and, uh, what I really appreciate is, I mean, is there anybody more famous than Harrison Ford? And he didn't have any security at any point that I worked with him. And his security was walking really quickly. I remember we went out for dinner in New York City and I I just thought that there would be, you know, thousands. He would have thousands, a big right. entourage and, th you know, security looking after him. He didn't. He just walked really, really quickly. <laughs> and he incongruously had one of those clips for his mobile phone, you oh, know, like sure. like a geography teacher might have. <laughs> it was really uncool. And he had this clip that he would put his phone into. And I thought, why have you got it? like a utility belt. Right. He's always like, no matter what he does to himself, he will remain the coolest man on the planet, yes. whether he has a fanny pack or a utility yeah, it's, belt. It's, it, is, it is extraordinary. <laughs> he is very, very cool. Are you a consumer much of film and, and TV uh, today? Are you, do you 
make it a habit as it's i mean you're a busy guy with a family and a film you've directed etc but oh yeah i mean I, I it's my uh industry and i love it what are the, what who are the recent films filmmakers what what, what what's touched uh, you in recent uh, years well, i'm really um well you know it's quite eclectic you know i a really big uh uh, Tarkovsky fan and I'm also a really big um, right now you know more 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 sort of uh, uh, re recent is Jacques Odiard who I just think is um, the, the the most extraordinary yeah. director out there at the moment you know I think his films are so hard hitting but they always have hope they you know they, they don't do that thing that I don't like in films where they just take you to a dark place and, and leave, leave you there, there. <laughs> and say, aren't you lucky you're not them? Right. You know, right. and um, uh, they have a, a um, you, you know, a prophet which is set in, in a, in a, in a prison has a visual poetry to it, um, you know, which is rarely afforded to um, uh, people of, um, their social standing, sure. you know. Uh, usually, you expect to have some sort of granular, gritty um, movie making, uh, and it's got such deft, gorgeous framing, and uh, uh, you know. So I, I love, I love, um, I love Odiard. I, I think he's my, um, he's my guy. Is, is there was there Inaritu, obviously, um, but everybody says Inaritu, so I'm choosing that's to say it. Yeah. Granted, yeah, exactly. What, is that was there a moment's hesitation then, given like people like Tarkovsky and Odiard, like um, Avengers movies? Was there like okay, this this because it's Joss and because it's Marvel and they know what they're doing? Like I, I'll trust in this because you know to some that can be a turnoff for certain actors, I suppose. Oh, no. I mean, I uh, no. I mean, if it were all, I was allowed to do in my life I was dress up in a muscle suit and, and, and be purple I, I would you know maybe hesitate but it's not you know and I love doing it and I love I love watching those movies you know I, I hadn't watched them and my you know I got the job so I thought well I better see these movies and I I loved watching them I love spectacles yeah. you know I I always have. I've, like I say, it's a real, I've got a real sort of eclectic um, uh, uh, love of film, you know. So did, Noah did, Baumbach, you know, I just oh, think yeah. some extraordinary movies um, he's he's made. I, I love, you know, all sorts of cinema. Darren Aronofsky, for goodness sake, you know. And, and these people were, uh, um, and Ron Howard, and these people were, um, after my actors... Jennifer Connolly, my wife, and Anthony Mackie, my second wife. Um, <laughs> my, my, the filmmakers that I had worked with and filmmakers that I've come to know and admire were my biggest resource. You know, they, I, they would watch early cuts of my film and, and give, me, um, give me notes. And, and in fact, uh, Johnny Depp came uh, to a screening and for the first time in his life was 45 minutes early for something, <laughs> um, which was amazing and th th that was invaluable i saw uh, what downey hosted a screening uh, last week in la exactly it's good to have friends like these that are both resources and can help spread the good word exactly um two sex microphone adjustment microphone 101 adjustment um yeah downey doing that was so sweet because again you know you're you're it is it is about raising awareness 
for a very small um, uh, film, and uh, uh, that that's hard to do now because there's so much noise yeah. uh, out there. And um, you know, uh, Johnny is going to host a screening in LA uh, next month nice. for me. Um, Ron Howard hosted one in New York City, so it's um, there's real. You know, the the the, the business is so um, it's yeah, always painted. It's a bad as, rap, yeah, exactly. It's always painted as this hugely um, competitive. Uh, you know cruel um workspace and it sort of is actually in reality but there is real comradeship and um and especially with filmmakers you know i I, you know i love i never feel any um uh jealousy or fury when i see you know a great um a great movie i'm just taken uh, I'm just taken away somewhere and so pleased that this filmmaker has been able to take me away and make me think or make me laugh or make me... Yeah. I, I love movies. Yeah, well, so. well, and you, you know how difficult it is and how, how rare it is when the, when the pieces fit together and, and the blood, sweat and tears that have gone into it. I, I, absolutely. You know, it's a lot of work making a bad film. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It really is. And, 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 you know, so I'm... I, and by the way, it doesn't just stop at film. You know, I'm, TV at the moment is extraordinary. You know, I'm a huge House of Cards fan and um, and also a massive uh, Walking Dead fan. And, I heard that. Mm. You know, I, I, this will probably shock you. To, you can probably tell I'm a huge nerd looking at the stuff in my office. I, I'm not, I don't watch Walking Dead. What am, oh. I, what am I? I'm missing it all, huh? I'm missing everything. I love it. You need to start from the beginning, and 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 also the uh, fear of the Walking Dead is. But you need to really have it. Really is for me a companion piece because what's great is you're so far ahead of them. They're yeah. they're figuring it out, and you've you've already watched you know five and a half seasons sure. or whatever, and you're you 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 know that things aren't getting better, and that the the, 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 the <laughs> army is just folks. not going to turn up. <laughs> And yet they're waiting, and it's such, it's so stressful. It's brilliant. What about Game of Thrones? I've never watched Game Me of Thrones. No. I, I, I don't know why. We're the last I'm, two I'm, people on the planet. I I, yeah, I think, I think we are. And yeah. I, 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 I miss jokes at dinner parties. I don't know what anybody's <laughs> talking about. Something Jon Snow, blah, blah, blah. What anybody, he's a news presenter in my country, <laughs> Jon Snow. Um, so, well, I'm curious, back to, you mentioned like picking the brains of some of these actors and directors that you've made really lasting friendships with over the years was there anything you learned like whether it was in the editing stage or even after the film was done that you can apply to the next time around yes. oh yeah Miria. i mean the so many things but the most important one is time yeah time i had if we were lucky and things were going really badly i would have three takes of any given setup so time is uh is everything what's your uh you're done with the civil war i think by now yes you guys finished wrap that up yeah and then um we move into the next uh one in november oh my gosh next november is 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 the the, not this november the next november is the is the purple paint uh do we know for a fact that it's not giving you some horrible disease we don't know that the the toxic virility of the makeup is as yet (laughs) you're you're taking one for the team thanks paul sure yeah <laughs> was it more enjoyable the second go around on uh, on civil war versus age of ultron was it different a different kind of experience um well what i learned is in the on the first one i i had 
my, my head had been shaved for another job. And, you know, I have to wear this ball cap that comes down under my eyebrows and then is glued to my head and hair. And, and then this sort of balaclava, this rubber balaclava that has then stuck to my head and hair and face. Um, and I, I realized this time I had, I had, I had longish hair and, um, I came home and my wife went, you've gone bald. And I went, what? She went, you've gone bald. And I hadn't, I don't look in the mirror. And I went, and I looked and I went, oh my God, I've gone bald. And so I shaved my hair and it all grew back. But what I realized was the, 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 the application of this, <laughs> this mask has been, has been, um, to have been tearing my hair out, <laughs> literally tearing my hair out. And my wife hadn't seen me in a couple of weeks. And she went, it's making you go bald. <laughs> You're basically the Jeff Goldblum character on the fly. You are deteriorating. I'm deteriorating <laughs> as we, uh, uh, in front. By the way, thanks for dressing up in the full vision costume for me today. I, it's, I, 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 I never go anywhere without. I'm surprised that it, it suits you. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, in our remaining time, uh, on, a, on a wider note, um, I've got an Indiana Jones fedora with some random assorted questions. Oh, Lord. You don't need to answer all of them by okay. any means. Don't worry, this will take hours. But um, try your hand. Let's see if there's an interesting question or two in there. All right. And... Uh, We'll send you on, our, on your way in rainy New York. All right. If I were a rapper, <laughs> my name would be... I have no idea. I have no idea. Let's I feel, pick I feel, it up. I feel like it's, it's like DJ PB. MC PB. Yeah, it's like <laughs> peanut butter and jelly. Uh, when I was a kid, my hero was... Wow. Um, yeah. Well, my hero was John Lennon. Yes. And Pretty still is. Good way to go. Yeah. Um... The most interesting person in the world is. You know a few of them, I feel like. We've wow. talked about a few of them. The most interesting person in the world right now. Wow. That's a, such a difficult question. Um, for, for, for me right now, I'm, I'm working with a man called Reza Aslan. Oh, yeah. And, um, and he's truly, truly brilliant. We're writing a, a thing together. And um, yeah, look him up online. He's extraordinary. This is the satire you were talking about? This uh, no, that's a, that's a, we have a project together that we're working on. Cool. Um, my drink of choice is... Well, you know, as the winter months come in, I'm, 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 I'm going for rum. Okay. Thought we were going a warming, the, the hot toddy for a second. I didn't know. Warming rum. <laughs> Ready, Mr. Bettany's warm rum, please. Um, my favorite uh, candy bar, nobody will know it in this country. What it's called it? a cabana bar. What's in it? Uh, it's kind of like a, um, it's kind of like a coconutty cherry thing. Oh from the 70s i'm not even sure they're made anymore <laughs> uh, again it was the toxic virility of the cabana bar i think is um harry potter or lord of the rings wow um you know i'm i'm gonna have to go lord of the rings how did you not end up in one of those either either franchise oh, i happened? know what the hell was going on there the accent's real everything come on karaoke absolutely not <laughs> have you ever karaoke I have. I don't get it. I mean, I I don't get it because I, uh, you know, I play uh, guitar. You're for real. Um, you're not. You're not a. Um, and the kids. We. Uh, my my um my favorite place in the world really is my 
is my barn <laughs> and I have this barn in, in Vermont and um, in it are loads of guitars and and um, um, drum kits and, and, and PA system and it's the whole and, family it's like the Partridge oh, the family, whole family everybody there, there. yeah, like yeah. everybody I mean we, we have these big um, parties at Christmas and New Year's and everybody we we, we get um, we get to do gigs and I get to you know live out my rock fantasies John Lennon there he is and um, and I go home with the prettiest groupie ever <laughs> night. Um, I wish I could change this about my body I'm too tall what how tall are you you're 6'3 six, 6'1 uh, I, six I, 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 I say I'm 6'3 I'm actually nearer 6'4 um, but I have lied this is the first time I've sort of publicly admitted it um, it says it on my driver's license that I'm 6'3". I'm not. I'm 6'4", really. And I feel that 6'3 is the sort of cutoff before you go into sort of basketball territory. <laughs> and I don't play basketball. So I right. kind of, um, yeah, I've, I've always felt I was too tall. Oh, poor Paul. Now, now, now they, the tears are ruining the vision makeup. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, and I'm not saying that I want to be small. I just no. think six, six foot. Two, six. I think six foot is a, is a really, is a really, uh, is a sort of perfect. I'd take um, it. My favorite Halloween costume is the vision. Go and buy it now. Go and buy it now. Not <laughs> that I have any I money. Say, you could have cut, cut the best contract in the business. You determine your own end, by the way. Feel free when you feel like uh, we're going on on a good uh, note. I'm, let me, where, where haven't you been that you want to go to? India. I really want to go to India. Everybody, once you go, it, the senses explode from what I gather. I really, really, I really, really do. And I also want to travel more in, um, in Africa uh, because we, we had maybe the most extraordinary time. I'd really like to take a year off, actually, and, and, um, and, and travel Africa properly it is an extraordinary continent and where we are all from that, that, i've never heard that is that true that's where we're all from <laughs> of course um it, honestly thank you so much for coming by today I, big congratulations on the film it's, it's a it's a it's a tough subject but it's 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 as you say it's filled with some hope in there too and it's filled with great performances and you should feel very proud of it thank you very much everybody check it out um thanks paul good to see you man take care mate Meet the Collegians, three generations of coffee roasters. Master Roaster Henry has been roasting coffee in San Francisco for six days a week for over 30 years. His son, Harag, is equally passionate about serving you the perfect cup of joe. Coffee isn't just a business for the Collegians, it's in their lineage. To experience the buzz, visit henryshouseofcoffee.com and enter promo code HAPPY to get free shipping today. You have nothing to lose and a new coffee obsession to gain. Hey, it's Sean Clements from Hollywood Handbook and That's an Earwolf podcast. And it's come to my attention that Earwolf and Howl has been doing a nefarious activity where they are sneaking uh, clips from other shows into the end of podcasts. And it happened on ours and I thought it was morally questionable at best and we should we would never do that to you try to trick us into listening to our podcast so this is just me making an announcement to you a listener of a different show that we will never ever try to sneak a clip of our show into the end of another show because frankly it's disgusting to me and i hope i 
hope, I hope that they do not attach a clip of my show that they feel would be a highlight and a selling point to an uninitiated listener. Onto the end of this message, it would defeat the entire purpose of what I'm saying, and they promised me they wouldn't. And so now what's going to happen is I'll stop talking and nothing else will play afterwards, and that's the way I want it, and that's what's good, and you're welcome for me being so righteous. There are just so many other options for who could have done this. Some of the really tough guys out there. Maybe someone actually tough. Who should have been the Batman. For example, how about one of these Metallica guys? Nothing's tougher than rocking, rocking out so hard. On the drums. It could have been, and I hate to say this, but what about Kim Jong-un? Yes, what about Kim Jong-un? Who's scarier and tougher? And who's rich and can afford all those gadgets? Yes. Hollywood Handbook. Pop. Pop? Pop. This has been a Wolf Pop production. Executive produced by Paul Shear, Adam Sachs, Chris Bannon, and Matt Gorley. For more information and content, visit wolfpop.com.